man. It's just epic every time I see it. Still epic. That's awesome. I'm so grateful for uh, Jeff Seif filling in last week. I was ill. Yeah, he did a great job. Uh, we watched online. Uh, brilliant. Man, man, just just feel like I'm having to reach all the time to keep up with what he's saying and, and where he's going. So it's awesome. I love that. Uh, I was sick uh, last week, uh, got tested, did not have COVID. There are other illnesses out there still, believe it or not. So <clears throat> I had one of those, and, uh, but all is well, and I'm certainly glad to be back today. So Heather and I are at a, a new phase in our life. We're in that phase where kids are almost all gone out of the home. Uh, you probably saw online, Truett is now engaged, so... Time is ticking. Don't know what that, yeah, don't know what that date will be yet, but it will happen. And uh, Heather and I will be empty nesters, except when all the kids come back over, bring their kids over. So, which is a lot, which is amazing. That's the phase we're now in where uh, there's lots of grandkids. There's six so far and number seven coming this year. And I watch them parent now and I see them have so many more resources that Heather and I did not have. Heather and I obviously had parents and friends and family to call on. Um, we didn't have as much internet back in the day. We had a couple of books, two books really, that were kind of our go-to for everything. And I look at what you know our kids have now, and you know, untold number of websites and electronic devices to help parent, and you know, they come over and put their child to to bed in the back room somewhere and they come out with a monitor that has video display of their child sleeping and you can hear them in there if they start crying and they're all got their monitors set up in the living room. It's like, this is crazy technology today, things they can do. And, and digital thermometers that are just like a boop, you know, just about and it comes out on your phone like, oh, okay, crazy stuff. We're back in the day of, you know, the glass thermometer and you hold it in their mouth and all that kind of stuff. And it just takes forever and they're crying, all that kind of stuff. And then even, even today for newborns, they have socks that you can put on the newborn that has a Bluetooth monitoring device in it that sends a signal to your cell phone so you can see your baby's heartbeat through the sock that's on their foot while they're in their bed. Crazy stuff. It's amazing. I'm glad for all that. I'm glad for all the resources that are available. There's some of them that my kids tell me about, and I've had a hard time buying into some of them. So um, one of those is what they tell me is described as the babies go through leaps. Okay, so parents, young parents in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Leaps like leapfrog, leap of faith kind of thing. So the idea here is that uh, they've discovered that babies for the first 20 months of their life go through 10 different leaps. They go through these 10 phases in which they go through mental changes, physiological changes. They learn significantly at those points. I don't have a problem with that. I believe that. That's what God intended. He's written into their DNA that they would grow like that. What began to freak me out is when my kids would say to me, yeah, Dad, we know when their stormy phases are, when they're going to be fussy, and on what days they're not going to be fussy. Come on. Really? They said, yeah, look at this app. Show me an app. They've entered in their baby's birth date, information about their baby, and they show me the calendar. On this day, my baby is going to go through leap number one. And accompanying this phase are going to be this many days of happy times, 
And then here's exactly what they're going to be learning in that time. And then there's going to be a stormy phase that's going to hit on these days. I'm like, mm-hmm, right. Every baby has a stormy phase every day. What are you talking about? But I started looking. I started watching. And they were right. It's crazy. There are these days that the baby is more irritable than other days. And they say, yeah, on on those days, they're going to be a little bit more cranky. They're going to be a little bit more crying. And they're going to be a little bit more clingy. That's fascinating. I said, okay, send me the information. I got to do some reading on this. So I go to the website. I read through it. And they're describing it, you know, why they go through these leaps and what happens with them. In fact, they... On their website, this is what they say about these leap periods, that you are, your baby is going through this learning phase. They're going to pick up new information, new discoveries. Their world is changing around them. They're processing new things happening in their life. Their world is changing. So here's how they describe it on the website. Imagine that you go to sleep in your familiar world, and when you wake up, the world has completely changed. I can imagine that. <clears throat> Crying, crankiness, you cling to those few people you know and don't ever want to let go. I can, I can relate to that. That is exactly what your baby experiences when she takes a leap in her mental development. Oh, that's fascinating. Babies go through these leap periods, these times of growth where all of a sudden they are changing. Their world is changing around them. And they are experiencing some new things in their life. So, for example, I asked Taylor... And she said, yeah, Avery is about to go through her fourth leap. Awesome. So I said, well, I'm going to look and see what happens in the fourth leap. So in the fourth leap, Avery will learn better hand-eye coordination. She'll learn to put together, this is connected to me. I can control it, and I can grab something. And I'm watching that happen in her life. She is learning to adjust her hand and grab what is in front of her. We watch that happen. Her field of vision is now increasing. She can see across the room. That's awesome because there's times I have to, if I want her to recognize me, I got to get up really close. Did you know that when babies are first born, they can only see from about here to here, from them to their mom's face? But as they mature and go through these leaps, they begin to have vision increase. They can see further, they have better perspective, they have better depth of field of vision. Avery is able to recognize and respond to music at this point in this fourth leap. And she's now learning her voice. She's making babbling sounds. All of these are happening in her life as I watch. So I thought, this is just fascinating. But the thing is that fascinated me the most, I think, about all this is this is what God writes into the DNA of physical life. This is also what he writes into the DNA of spiritual life. When you and I began the journey of faith, the Bible describes it as a birth. You were born again. Your spirit was brought to life, and you began as an infant. You began with not full awareness of all that your father has for you, of all that life is, with a very limited vision, with a very limited knowledge. And God never intended for you and me to stay infants. You are not designed to stay a spiritual infant. 
You and I are called to mature, grow, experience new truths from him, change and not be like we were. We don't, we're not called to stay spiritual babies, but to grow up. The scripture says we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up into all things into him who is the head, even Christ. You and I are called to change, mature, grow up in the faith. And one of the things that's essential from time to time for us is to ask ourselves, am I changing? Are things about me different than they used to be? Am I different than I was a year ago? Is my faith at a different place? Do I know more than I did then? Is there more that I'm trusting in now than I did then? Or do I still walk in the same routines, the same thought processes, the same struggles, the same issues in my life? Or am I growing God calls us to grow. And the thing is, these phases of growth that he brings us through, like a baby, sometimes require us to go through stormy phases. They take us through struggle because all of a sudden things change around us. All of a sudden our world is different. All of a sudden the things that we thought were going to be are not. And we are to grow in that moment. And it will take us through some days where it will feel like the storms are raging. What you and I need in that time is the ability to stay faithful, stay committed, and stay resolved to hold to Christ, to not give up, to press through. That's what Taylor and Nick are doing for Avery. They're reassuring her through the storms. They're comforting her in her cranky, crying, clingy days, just like the Father does for us. And he calls us to take leaps in our faith. Now, what's fascinating to me is that not only does God do that for us personally, he does it in families, he does it in churches, And he does it for his church as a whole. Now stay with me here. Because I believe from what I see, the church on planet Earth is undergoing a leap right now. And if you haven't noticed, this is the stormy phase. Are you with me? This is the part that's calling us to something we've not been before. This is the part that says it's time to break some old dependencies. This is the part where you're going to have to let go of some old comforts. This is the part where you're going to have to let go of some old patterns. You can't go into what's next caring with what you were before. Nobody wants their 20-month-old to stay mentally, physiologically, emotionally a 20-month-old when they should be four years old or 10 years old or 20 years old. I believe God is moving his church into a new 
phase. We are entering a new leap. And if you want to make it through the leap, you're going to have to pursue the deep. This is our series, Deeper. God is calling us deeper today. If you've been around vertical any amount of time, you know that what we are doing here is not just another Sunday sermon. We're not just going through religious activity. We are attempting to bring the living word of God to bear on the living circumstances of our life. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to attempt to do that today with what's going on in our world. I don't ever want what's happening on the headlines to be absent from what's happening in Scripture. I want us to put them together. I want us to see how, as God's people, we see this from a vertical perspective and we navigate through it holding on to what God has called us to and we believe that he is in it. I do believe that God is in it today. The events of our world may seem to be in the hands of men and women, but there is no event that happens in eternity that God does not first have his hand on. There is nothing happening in our nation today that God does not first have his hand on. So I don't have to depend on what I read on the latest news website. I can cling to what I hear from God himself. If he's working in that, then he can tell me what to do in this. Amen? And I believe that he does. So over the next seven weeks, including today, we're going to be looking at seven ways that God is calling us deeper. He is. He always has been. But today we have some unique handles to grab a hold of what he's doing. The first that we will talk about today of these seven, the first area that God is doing a deeper work is with deeper resolve. To be a follower of Jesus Christ today requires a deeper resolve than it has in some time. I'm afraid we've been able to live a quite comfortable Christianity for decades. I'm afraid we've been able to separate even our faith from culture, have our religious time and our lifetime. I believe, though, from what I see, those days have come to an end. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and live in this world, in these United States of America, you're going to need to be deeper. You're going to need to understand his purpose for your life. You're going to need to walk in his ways. You're going to need to be sold out you're going to need to have some resolve to carry you through this next stormy phase. It's really always been that way, though, that if you want to see what God has for you, you have to walk through some struggle. You have to walk through some conflict and some tension. You have to grow up and you have to make it through to the other side. That's why Galatians says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time... We will reap if we do not grow weary. There are certain 
rewards and fruits that come only after you have been in the deep and stayed in the deep with resolve and you've chosen to not give up, you've chosen to cling to Christ, there are certain rewards and blessings that wait on the other side. Today, our passage of scripture we use is 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you have a Bible app, follow along. If you want to take snapshots of the screen today, you are more than welcome to. This passage, Peter is writing. Peter is a man who's gone through some change in his life. Peter is a guy who was... um, wishy-washy. Peter is the guy who, was care, who cared more about what others thought of him than what Christ thought of him. Peter's the guy that's always running his mouth instead of listening with his ears, and God does something in him. He meets Jesus, and Jesus changes him, and Peter becomes a man of real resolve. He becomes a leader in the New Testament church. He becomes a man that's known for what his name means, rock. He is immovable. And Peter writes to a group of believers, Christians like you and I, people who are attempting to live out their faith in their life, and they're living it out at a time when they were facing social reaction and government rejection. So we can relate. Hello? We can relate to the words that Peter is about to speak to us because Scripture speaks in the day that it was written, and it is alive today and speaks again. Amen? First Peter 4, 12. Peter writes and says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Peter says, I know you're looking at the struggle that you're facing, the rejection from friends and family, the reaction from government officials, and you're wondering, what is going on here? I thought if I brought myself and laid myself out before the Lord Jesus Christ that things would be better in my life. I thought my circumstances would change. Why am I still going through trial? In fact, it seems like the more passionate I am and the more vocal I am, the more reaction I get. And Peter says, my friends, don't think it strange when you get a trial, a reaction, or rejection from others. Don't think of it as some unusual thing. In other words, don't do what you and I are tempted to do. God, why is this happening to me? God, how could you let this happen to me? God, I've trusted you. Why is this happening right now? God, I thought we believed that you were going to do X, Y, Z, and you didn't in the time that we thought. Why? Why has this strange thing come upon us? Why has this happened? The word here for strange is the word that means uh, a stranger, someone who has come into your life that you don't recognize, that you don't have any clue who they are and you don't know why they have showed up all of a sudden. And it kind of reminds me of a time that our family was at home one night. We're sitting in the living room and a knock came on the door, which is not uncommon for people to come knock on our door. And so we do, or we did what we usually did. We'd say, come in, 
I mean, without even getting up. We were accustomed at the time we had a student ministry, and so kids were coming over all the time. People would stop by the house. We have family in the area. They'd stop by the house. So if someone knocks on our door, we'd just say, come in. For all you criminals out there, please don't listen to anything I just said. So on this night, we all stayed in our positions on the couch, on the chair, and said, come in. Door opens. We all look to see who it is. A couple is standing there. They're not just standing there. They open the door and come right in. And we look, and our minds are racing because we don't recognize this couple at all. And they look like they belong there. I mean, they confidently come in, smiling. Hey! You're like, hey. And then there was this awkward moment where we realized it, and then they all of a sudden realized, I don't know any of these people. And we said, uh, are you coming to the Treadaway house? And they said, no. Is that what this is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they said, well, we're looking for the, and they named, and we said, that's our neighbors. And they said, oh, we're so sorry. Closed the door, and they went to the neighbor's house and had a wonderful evening, I assume. <laughs> But it was this awkward moment where there was a stranger up in our house, and we had no clue who they were, what they wanted, or why they were there. Peter says here, look, when you face reaction and rejection, and you go through a trial because of your faith, don't assume it has showed up as a stranger in your life. Don't think, well, what are you doing here? How could this happen? What are you for? No, he says, instead, this thing has come, Peter writes, to try you, to help you get to your next leap, to get you to the next place in your faith. This has been sent by God. Do not think of it as something strange as though some strange thing has happened to you. That's the way a lot of believers live their lives. Like, I don't have any clue why this thing is happening to me right now. Well, God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose involves walking through some storms from time to time. So don't think it's strange, this trial that happens. But Peter goes on in verse 13, and he says, But instead, rejoice, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Peter says, look, when you go through reaction and rejection from people who don't know Christ, in that moment, you should have a sense of joy about your life. You should have a sense of peace about what's happening because you, in that moment, you are sharing, it's another word for partaking, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. In other words, you're in pretty good company if you're experiencing some reaction because of your stance in the faith. In fact, you're in the same company as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So don't think, what is this happening for? No, realize you're in a pretty good spot. You're in the same company of Jesus Christ. And he did not suffer because he had done wrong. 
He did not suffer because he had sinned. He suffered instead because he chose to be obedient to his father. He suffered because he spoke truth. He suffered because he refused to yield. And because Jesus did that, he went through some struggle. He went through his own stormy phase. Jesus did. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Jesus went through some stormy phases. Why would you not think that you're going to go through some stormy phases? Why would you not think that that would not accompany the process of faith leaps in your life? But Peter didn't end there in the second part of verse 13. He said, here's the deal, that, that when this happens, his glory is revealed, that you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Peter says, you're going to go through a stormy phase. You're going to go through a fiery trial. You're going to go through some reaction. You're going to get some rejection the minute you stand up for your faith, the minute you say, I believe God, the minute you say, I trust God's word, the minute you hold on to those things, you're going to face some reaction. You're going to face some rejection. But when you do, consider that joy because there is a glory that waits. There's something on the other side that will be worth it. But you're going to need to persevere with some, with some resolve all the way through it. Because there are some things that you will not experience in life until you have powered through the stormy phase with resolve. Until you've said, I'm not giving up. I'm not yielding. I won't give in to what the crowd says. I won't give in to my own emotions. I won't give in to my own thought patterns. I will stay true to the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you're willing to do that, you won't experience what waits on the other side. There are some things that you just don't get until you have walked through some time and some storms. Do you know there are blessings that wait out in year 20, 25, and 30 in a marriage that you can't get when you're in year 3 or 5 or 10 you have to get through them. You have to have resolve in them to experience what waits out there on the other side. It's true. There are blessings that wait out in year 50 that I'm looking forward to one day. But you don't get there unless you're willing to have some resolve in the process. There's some glory that waits in the process of parenting. Don't get frustrated because your child's five and doesn't know everything yet. Stay in the process. Do what God's called you to do. Train them up in the admonition of the Lord. There's a joy that comes when they turn 20 and 30. When they start having children, there are some joys out there that you cannot experience until you've been through it. There's some joys that come with financial savings, hello, that you don't get if you're spending all your money back on credit cards and on debt retirement. Hello. I know that hurts to hear everybody, but there's some joys that come with doing the right thing, sticking with some resolve and get all the way through it. There's some joys that come in the faith that only come after you have had some resolve and walked consistently. There's some glory that waits out there. There's some joy on the other side that you don't get unless you've got some resolve. And Peter says, there's going to be a time when his glory is going to be revealed in your life 
when you're going to make it through the stormy phase and you're going to see what he has for you. And in that moment, you're going to have some joy that will be bigger than you've had before. You'll be glad with exceeding joy, he says. And this is God's desire. He goes on in verse 14 and he says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Now, I'm going to imagine that this is going to be part of the rough part right here, this discussion. Because Peter says, if you're going through reaction, rejection, and even some loss, if you are maligned, if you are spoken evil about, if your name is drugged through the mud, if people are posting terrible things about you online, if they're talking about you all the time because of your faith, God says, in that moment, you are blessed. You say, I don't feel so blessed. I understand. But I don't operate off of what I feel. I operate off what God says. And he says, when you are reproached, you are blessed. Now, this is a learning leap right here because none of us like to feel rejected, harassed, mocked, ridiculed, and reproached, right? We do our best to stay away from that stuff. You try to not be socially awkward. You try to not create faith tense moments in conversations. You try your best to avoid that. But Peter says, look, the blessing is in the reproach. The blessing is not in you always playing it safe. The blessing is not in you always trying to be comfortable. The blessing is not in you always trying to be cool and let not anybody know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. No, the blessing is when you live open, when you live clear, when everyone knows who you are, even if you are reproached in that moment, you're blessed. Your circumstances may tell you differently. Your emotions may tell you differently. The government may try to tell you one thing or threaten you. Your friends may try to threaten you. Big tech might try to stop you. I said tech, not techs. <laughs> but the scripture says if you're despised and rejected for the name of Christ, you're blessed. You're in a position of greater favor than you realize. You're blessed. The smile of God comes from heaven when you're reproached. You're blessed. Favor from heaven falls on you when you're reproached. You're blessed. The presence of God surrounds you when you're reproached. You're blessed. The power of God comes on you. The spirit of truth wells up in you. You live in confidence. And even though everybody else might turn away from you, you're blessed. This is a learning leap right here because we do our best to avoid that. And Peter says, no, I want you to understand don't think this is strange, what's happening to you. Don't think that what is happening in our world today, the reaction against truth, the reaction against the gospel, the reaction against freedom, don't think that that's strange. In fact, lean into it, understand who you are, and understand that you are blessed when you are in that position. 
Now, Peter goes on and he describes why. <clears throat> he says, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Here is the blessing. When you are reproached, when you are mocked, when you choose to stand for the name of Christ, he says, when that happens, the spirit of glory, the spirit of God comes and rests on you. Now, let me give some clarification here. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it clear that the temple of God is where? In us. I, you, if you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. This building is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. This verse says that there's a unique sense of his presence that shows up in the temple when you are willing to be reproached for the name of Christ. A spirit of glory comes over you in that moment. So in the Old Testament, when they were building the tabernacle and they finished the work and they committed this tabernacle to the Lord, in that moment, it says that the glory of God fell in that moment such that they could not even stand because the glory was so rich. The power of God was so present in that moment. And Peter's drawing upon that illustration in that picture, and he says, look, when you choose to stand for Christ, unashamed, bold, with great resolve, and you are even reproached, he said, it's like the moment when the glory of God fell on the tabernacle and the presence of God was overwhelming. He says, that, that is who you are. That is what happens in your life. You are blessed. The Spirit of God, he uses the word, comes and rests. He comes and it just parks right over your life and just makes himself at home. Man, the presence of God assuring you, filling you, strengthening you, leading you, guiding you. And you're no longer wondering, God, where are you? Because it's plainly evident he is right there in the moment. But to get to that spot, to experience that glory, you are going to have to be willing to be reproached for the name of Christ. And this is a faith leap. This is where God is calling his church to a different place today. He's calling us to be accustomed to the uncomfortable, accustomed to the reaction, accepting of the reproach, because that is where greater glory comes from. The spirit of glory comes and rests upon you. Peter goes on in verse 14 and he says because on their part he is blasphemed but on your part he is glorified. You talk about two different news sources. You talk about two different perspectives. You're going through a struggle. You're going through a trial because they're reacting and rejecting, they're pushing against you, in that moment, God says, look, I recognize on their part 
They are blaspheming me. But here's the deal. On your part, this is a moment for you to glorify him. Mm. Man, there is an all-out push today against faith. I'm sure you recognize this. Hello? It's happening. It, it's one of those things that churches and preachers and pastors have talked about for a long time, and most churchgoers are like, mm-hmm, I'm going to go back home now to my comfortable life. Hey, things are changing. The talk in the pulpit is the word on the street these days. It's happening. There's an all-out push within the halls of government, within the halls of education, and the entertainment industry against faith, against freedom. There's an all-out attempt, even within secular education today, to discredit the founding fathers of this nation who were God-fearing men who built a nation on the principles of Scripture. The war is on to discredit them, devalue them, and remove them from history. There's an all-out war today to undermine the values of Christianity, the truth of Scripture. There are those who seek to drive a wedge in your heart to keep you from believing that God's Word really is true. That you can't really believe all those miracles in there. You can't really believe all those stories. You don't think that stuff really happened because all it takes is a small crack into the doubt to cause you to discredit all of it. And that's where it begins. And that's their work today. They want to discredit the faith. They want to play up the feelings of every person. They want to call the culture to give in to every urge. So while I was down last week, not feeling good, it's a lot of time on the couch. And after I'd look at that baby leaps app for untold you know, time, I thought, well, let's see what Amazon's got in the way of movies or you know, Netflix. I don't know about you, but when Heather and I sit down and try to look for a movie, there are more available today than there ever were at the Blockbuster down the street. But it seems like there's less to watch today than there ever was at the Blockbuster down the street. I, I can't tell you the hours. Heather, be, Heather and I will be talking like, you want to watch a movie tonight? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can find one. All right, well, give me about an hour. I just, you know, I'm just scrolling, watching part of a, tra- no, never mind. Watch another, tra- no, forget it. It's just, it's tough. It's tough to find those out there because there's an industry today that is against everything that we stand for. There's an industry today that's telling people, give in to the revenge, give in to the anger, give in to the lust, give in to the greed, give in to all of that. There is no moral standards. If you think you're this, do that. If you feel like this, do that. And every movie is built around that, it seems, today. It just, it's gross after a while. I just can't, I just can't watch it. There's a war to try to stop voices of truth. There's a very clear move to censor free speech in our world. And it is ramping up at a pace that I actually did not believe would happen in my lifetime. 
censoring of voices who have the right to speak. There's censoring that's happening on social media. Voices are being silenced. I don't know if you're involved in social media or not. I would say this to you. If you're not, you should at least be keenly aware of what is happening in the realm of social media. Over 100,000 accounts this past week were silenced off of social media to no longer have a voice into the public arena. That's a problem. It's a problem when voices are silenced and no longer able to speak into the culture of our day, especially when those voices all have leanings toward the faith and toward truth. And when those who seek to stop the voices all have a certain political leaning, there's a problem today. Our nation was built upon the concepts of freedom, of speech, of freedom, of religion, of freedom, of press. And today, that is coming to an end. I fear that if something doesn't happen soon, it will be our voices that will be silenced next. It'll be our presence on the internet that will be limited and locked. That's already happening. We already know from staff that our social media accounts are not getting the amount of play that we are putting into it. We already know that. We know accounts, we know of posts that we've made that have been declined, that have been limited, that have been silenced. It's a concern. We use social media as a tool for communicating here in our church, to our community, to our church, but beyond that as well, to the large number of people who follow us online. We use it to communicate events. We use it to keep up with needs. Our vertical community group is a place that people voice needs and concerns, and I watch prayer needs go up, and I watch responses come and answer those needs. And they all happen on those platforms. We use it to speak truth. We use those platforms to give hope. We use it to proclaim the gospel. And we use it to reach an audience larger than us. There's an online audience watching this morning that is larger than us. There'll be another online audience that will watch throughout this week that is vast in number that visit our YouTube channel, that stay up with us on Facebook, that follow us on Instagram. I use social media. I use it to keep up with my family and grandbabies. I use it to communicate with extended family. I use it to watch what's happening in the culture. I use it to encourage others in truth. But with what's happening in the culture, it appears that some of these platform's future is uncertain. And it appears we might have to be creative in time to come. You'll hear later in our service today about something we are working on as a church. And I know that everybody in this room, you have a different opinion and approach to social media. That's fine. There's freedom for that. But for me personally, which affects our church, I believe God has given us freedom to speak. I believe we have the freedom to think. 
I believe we ought to have the freedom to speak about what God is doing in our lives. And I believe that it's not only right for me to speak, but it's right for me to protect the right to speak. I need to protect the freedom of someone to speak who may not even agree with me. So if they have freedom to speak, I have freedom to speak. And I will fight for me to have that right, for my children to have that right, for my grandchildren to have that right, for our church to have that right, for Christians to have that right in our land today. So just this past week, I've kind of come to this this sense of resolve for myself. And I based this off of something that was popular back in the 70s and 80s when there was concern that Russians would land in our land and try to take the guns from the people. There was a bumper sticker that came out in that time that if you'd been alive in the 70s, you would have seen. It said, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. So I've adopted my own phrase for this day. You can have my phone and my laptop and my keyboard when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. I'm going to continue to express my freedom. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel through the message that I can. I'm going to continue to speak. You are not going to stop my freedoms. And if you limit one area, I'll launch out in another area. You won't stop me. Amen? It takes resolve to come to that place. And it takes a new level of resolve for us as believers that God is calling us to in this day, in this time. No longer can this event, church, just be a Sunday social event. It's become an essential, always has been. But for what's coming, I believe we are going to have to be intentional about meeting and growing and speaking. Peter said, they're trying to blaspheme, but this is your opportunity to glorify. So here's the deal. God is the one in charge of the faith leap moments. He is the one that has put a desire in you to grow, and he is the one who's arranging your circumstances to help you grow. And no matter what that they might say or they might do, God is the one who's in charge. And he is using all things to work them together for my good and his glory. They're not operating on their own. God is the one who is allowing and shaping me in the process and us in the process. So I can say, hey, bring it on. Because I have someone who reigns over you. And he is the one who will take what you meant for evil and use it for good. He is the one who's conforming me into the image of his son. He is the one who's called us as a church to be the ones who stand with faith against even the gates of hell themselves. So bring on your blasphemy. It's only going to cause me to glorify him even more. It's only going to cause me to grow even more. Bring it on. Well, that's the kind of resolve you and I are going to need for what's ahead. Now, Paul, one of Peter's ministry partners, even though they had their days, 
Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 what we are learning in this leap. Here's what he wrote. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Paul, you're one sick dude. How do you take pleasure in all this? Because I know that God reigns over all this. God is at work in this moment. God is the one who's shaping me. God is the one who's calling his church. God is the one who's moving us forward as a church. God is the one who's calling us forward. I can take pleasure in all of these, Paul said. And he goes on, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You put me in a place where it looks like I don't know what to do, where it looks like I'm backed into a corner, in that moment, I'm actually stronger than I was before. So bring it. Now, I normally use the New King James Version here on Sunday morning. And I love the New King James Version. I love the wording and the, the, the phrasing that it uses. But in this one verse, I prefer the modern King James Version. Subtle difference, but essential difference. The modern King James takes a little bit different spin on this verse right here. The modern King James says, for when I am weak, then I am powerful. Boom. I'll take that. I like it. I like this idea that when I am backed up, pushed back, threatened, reproached, I'm in distress, I'm being persecuted for my faith, in that moment, it only makes me more powerful. So in this day and in this time, I would say to us, this is a faith leap that God is walking us through. Do not get distracted by what the world says about it but become affected by what the king says about it. Then you will have perspective and you will walk away with power in this moment. You'll come away stronger than what you had been before. So I have to say this then. If you're here this morning and you have not begun the journey of following Jesus, you have not come to the place of saying, I need to be born again. I need to have my life redeemed. I need to make things right with God. Then I would say to you today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the moment. You cannot put this off any longer. Today is the day to make things right. Today is the day to repent of your sins, repent of going your own way, and said, I will follow you, Jesus, only. You paid for sin. You're the one who forgave me, and I will follow you now. Now, I would say to you, if you're a Christian already, but maybe you've been complacent. Maybe you've been apathetic. Maybe you've lived with this faith thing as a compartment in your life instead of the foundation of your life. Today is the day to bring an end to that. Today is the day to say, Lord, I want you to be the foundation of everything I do. I want to serve you, follow you, 
and speak for you with no fear, and I will hold to that with great resolve. Today is the day for that. If you're a believer and you're walking close and you sense him speaking today and you recognize this is a faith leap, this is about to be a stormy face, this is your time to say, Lord God, I'm here. I am available. Work in me. Speak to me. Work through me and conform me to the image of your son. I'm here. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have a plan for our lives, that you are the one who is orchestrating every event. You're the one who has put your spirit within us and you're calling us deeper. You're calling us to new places of growth, new places of surrender, to new glories in you. And today, we as your people say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to take that step. For those who need faith this morning in this room, God, open their eyes that they might see you, that they might cry out to you and be born again today. God, for those who have kept you on the sidelines. May this be the day that you become the center of their life. And for those who are walking with you, who are now leaning into you, may we all be aware that you are the one leading us into this next phase. And as your church, we will be in step. We will be close at your side. We will walk with you unafraid and resolved because you are our king, the king of all kings. Father, I thank you for your word, your spirit that is speaking to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.